What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. That's the cheap echo. Manual echo. <laughs> Echoes are expensive. Yeah. Especially with inflation. Exactly. <laughs> if inflation? Yeah. Inflation. Um, yeah. Just a little tease. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Daylight Savings Time. You know it, you love it. We'll get to that in a second. Um, that uh, those uh, witty witty words you heard were coming from Professor Matthew Stanley of New York University. And uh, how are you, sir? How are you this morning? Uh, it's Friday, which makes it exciting. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an exciting week for uh, well, semi exciting week for our regular listeners who who are devoted f- fans uh, who. Um, listen to the uh, podcast as soon as it goes up. So you know exactly when we, usually I post it pretty pretty quickly after we record. And uh, I, last week you may have noticed what happened. There wasn't one, usually we upload on Fridays. There wasn't one on Fridays. However, we did one on Monday, which if you didn't hear Monday's show, just the previous episode to this, I encourage you to go to, go to our website or scroll back on your app, your podcast app, and listen to the previous episode as well. It's a blast. It was with I Know Dino. Um, and uh, we also have Gabby Panicia here from uh, Rockefeller University, virologist from Rockefeller. And uh, did you enjoy last week's, last week's, the last episode? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was a lot of fun. Like I, I used to be a dinosaur kid. I'm arguably still a dinosaur adult, but not to the knowledgeable extent of our guests on one day. So yeah, yeah it was really cool. Yeah. Our guests were Garrett and Sabrina from uh, a podcast called I Know Dino, and uh, super fun. So I suggest you go check that out. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Um, this week's if comes to us from um, another similar thing. So I, I run a, a, a group on on, pod, on a Patreon. I'm still waking up, people. Hey. Give me some more coffee. Pour the coffee on my head. Um, uh, Patreon, where we are, uh, we have a membership program there, patreon.com slash what the if. And if you don't know about it, go check it out. I mentioned it there in the little intro to the show. Um, and uh, I do like a group, uh, I host a group uh, where science podcasters get together once a week we discuss our shows and trade ideas and stuff like that. So if you are a listener, by the way, and you, you do have a science podcast, uh, contact me um, or look up on Patreon, the A-Club, Science Podcasters uh, Club, and um, let us know. So S- Sabrina and Garrett uh, are members of that club, and that's how I knew about them from I Know Dino. And this week's if, today's if, comes from another member of the Science Podcasters Club um, that I host. And uh, his name is uh, Robert Pepper, and he's a wonderful guy, a brilliant guy, a hilarious guy. And he's uh, on YouTube. He's got a we, what we would call a podcast. In fact, YouTube, by the way, is now hosting podcasts. <laughs> there, oh, there have been you can you can put podcasts on YouTube anyway, um, but they now are officially rolling out YouTube.com/slash/podcasts. Very interesting. Um, so I'm looking into getting us on that too, but. Um, Anyway, Robert Pepper, Auto-Journo is how he goes by uh, on YouTube, and he covers all kinds of uh, stuff about uh, electric cars and um, you know, high-performance vehicles and things like this, all kinds of interesting things. Uh, and Robert sent in a really, or <laughs> Robert told me in our meeting last week, he said, I got a great idea for you. Um, and by the way, Robert is going to be on our show in a few weeks, so keep an eye out for that. It's going to be super fun. Um, Robert asks, uh, we were talking uh, about time zones. And for instance, Robert is down in Australia. And um, 
he's anytime we talk to people in Australia, let alone people in different U.S. time zones from us, it's always a fun adventure trying to make sure we all understand what to, it's so complicated. Right, mm-hmm. we've we've been doing it our whole life, and it never it's never sort of that easy. Even though we have we have devices, we have apps that should make it easier, but uh, we'll get into that. Um, so, uh, Robert was we were talking about the notion of time zones. So I'm going to tell us what our if is this week. We're gonna we're gonna speak the incantation that brings the uh, that that uh, sets up the safety protocols and uh, fires up the uh, the machines, the antimatter, the dilithium crystals, whatever it is that we have down in the eye, uh, what the if uh, engine room, Scotty will get the engine, engine, room, engine room going. Um, but Matt, could you tell people what, if they're not lost already, if they're in a different time zone or a different intellectual zone, what what is about to happen here? Uh, what's about to happen is we're changing the dials on reality. Um, Ooh. There's a big bank of switches and readouts and controllers that change all the important features about our universe. And uh, every week we mess with one of those and see what happens. Um, and then uh, uh, talk through the consequences for an hour or so. Um, and sometimes we survive and sometimes we don't. So yes. we're about to flip one of those switches. Flipping the switch. Get ready. Goggles on. Hazmat suits on, pappers on. If you don't know what a papper is, go back to some of our earlier episodes and hear the stories of the papper. Here we go. This week we are asking, what the if? There were no time zones. No time zones. Everyone... I don't know if time zones were maybe never invented, or in one day in a fit of rage, everyone just got sick of them and threw them out. Uh, What the if there were no time zones? So um, usually the first thing we do when we begin our thought experiment, which is what this is, um, we define our terms. So... Matt, you want to help it? I, I, people, p- people know what time zones are to some degree, but um, just a little context, like yeah, they may not like, understand why time zones exist and right, why they're right, useful. Right. Um, so the problem is this, and this is now this is kind of interesting because in our hyper urbanized society, we've forgotten some important fundamentals. So when we say what time it is. That's um, a reference to the position of the sun in the sky. So when we say it's noon, that's a a way of saying the sun is as high in the sky as it is going to be that day. Um, And then midnight is the opposite of that, when the sun is directly on the opposite side uh, of the earth. And then all the hours are uh, marking off the change in between those times. Um, so, uh, basically we, we chop up the sky into 24 chunks. Um, and when the sun moves across one of those chunks, we call that an hour. Um, and if you live and work outside, that is a obvious and natural thing. And people, you can get very good at telling exactly what time it is by just looking at the position of the sun in the sky. Um, but nowadays most of us spend our time indoors. So, the, the connection between time and the natural cycles um, are less clear. Um, so the, the problem that motivates time zones is not, is not obvious in the way it used to be. But basically it's this. Um, the world is round, right? Um, we may have <laughs> changed that me. in a previous... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have, we've, we've experimented with other shapes um, in earlier episodes. So uh, what this means is that if the sun is right overhead in New York, then it must be low in the sky from the perspective of London. Right? So you can kind of, this is a visual thing. You have to kind of imagine uh, it in your head. Yeah, yeah. So draw a picture of the earth in your head and then um, put the sun uh, right above New York 
and then look at where London would be on your picture of the Earth, and you'll see that um, relative to the horizon that you can see in London, uh, the sun is quite low. And if you're in Beijing, you can't see the sun at all because the Earth gets in your way. So it's nighttime there. So this is um, this is an obvious thing as soon as you know the Earth is round. Um, and the Greeks, among other people, knew the Earth was round over 2,000 years ago. Um, and, and thought about this problem and were aware of it. And you can actually do some interesting uh, astronomy once you realize this. But that's, that's a, a side issue. Um, but this is just sort of an interesting fact uh, for most of human civilization. Um, because uh, there, there's no interaction between two distant places for which it matters that it's a different time. All right, so London and New York can't talk to each other for most of human civilization in mm -hmm. any rapid way. Mm -hmm. And you can't get from London to New York quick enough such that you can notice that, right? If it takes you months to get from London to New York, um, then every day, time, noon is slightly different. So you don't notice that it's right. a, a very different time. Um, this all changes uh, with the railroad, actually, of all things. So um, there's a wonderful book about this that if you want to dive into it called The Railway Journey by uh, Wolfgang Schivelbusch, a former oh. professor here at NYU. Isn't Amazing a great name. name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it goes, uh, so the problem um, becomes this. So every town, um, you know, we, we pick London and New York to show how different it can be. But in fact, New York and Hoboken have slightly different time too. Um, so any point on the earth will have a slightly different noon. Okay. But between New York and Hoboken, the difference might only be a couple of minutes. So like nobody cares until you have trains um, that are scheduled to arrive and go uh, at specific minutes. So if your train is supposed to depart Hoboken at 8.07, but you're on New York time and you get there at 8.05, then you miss your train. So that's inconvenient. Um, but if you're the one scheduling the trains and you think the track is going to be clear at 8.05, but mm. it's not clear until 8.07, then you have trains crashing into each other because wow. the train that's on New York time, the train that's on Hoboken time are not coordinated. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a motivation. So, so yeah. you actually get these um, <laughs> these huge horde of terrible railway accidents of trains crashing into each other and smashing through the sides of stations. Really, um, that happened. Yeah, because time because time isn't coordinated, and for the first time, human beings can move fast enough that you can notice the time difference between two places. Wow. Um, so one of the solutions, one of the first solutions is they publish these big books of the local times for all of the different towns in the area. So it would be like the back of the newspaper would have the 47 different local times wow. in New Jersey. And then you would have to coordinate on your own. Um, and this obviously doesn't work very well, right? Um, so the, the decision is made and we'll say, well, Let's just declare it to be the same time over some broad region. All right. So we say all of New York and New Jersey, we are going to say shares exactly the same time, even th so that we can then coordinate our trains. Um, but that's not physically true, right? It is still physically a different time in New York than it is in Hoboken, but we're going to pretend that it's the same time. So the, the, the technical term for this is we say it's conventionally true that it's the same time and it's a convention in the sense. So conventional truth is something that we all just agree is going to be true. Uh -huh. Um, uh, even if it's actually not, and it's called convention because literally people get together and have a convention and say, what are we going to do? Yeah. Said, well, we're all going to decide it's this. Um, so time zones 
are this. That is, there's literally a convention in the 1890s where various nations get together and decide what um, areas are all going to share the same time. Um, and it's totally arbitrary. You know, if you look at a map of time zones, you'll see they aren't even equal, equally spaced. Um, right. They're just meant to make life easier within those areas. So you'll see that they sort of track highly urbanized areas um, in order to make it easy to get around. Um, and there's a lot of, there's, there's big arguments about like exactly where the lines should go and such. And you can, you can kind of judge late 19th century imperial power by, by who <laughs> gets the time zones drawn conveniently mm-hmm. for them and who does Interesting. Not, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and even then, those, um, those time zones don't much matter in 1900. Um, uh, they're just of local convenience. And it isn't until air travel that you can you personally can actually experience a time zone uh, what we come to call jet lag right once Uh jets are actually fast enough that you can depart one place and get to another and then you actually notice that the sun is in the wrong position in the sky Um, and that's what we think of as as jet lag so this mismatch between our physical perception of time and the conventional decision that it's going to be that way Um, so this is um in this is a big, or it comes to be noticed for countries that are big east to west, um, because uh, so say here in the U.S., New York and um, Los Angeles, because they're three thousand miles away, um, the sun is very much in different places in the sky. So you need multiple time zones to make the location of the sun in the sky not illogical. Um, so the when it's noon in New York. The sun in LA is still low in the sky, so we need to to set the time zone such that um, that makes sense. So that's the three-hour time difference. Um, So we get this illusion of coordinated time um, where we can kind of imagine that things are happening at the same time, uh, even though they're not. Uh, those of us of a certain age will remember when like television broadcasts happened or were advertised, you know, um, 9 PM, 8 PM central or yeah, that's know, right. 7 PM I, Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. I think that still happens. Does that still happen? Maybe I don't watch enough TV. Yeah. I, I was um, going to say, I, I remember that as a kid too. And I, I'm not that oldy, so <laughs> yeah. it's gotta yeah. still be happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and things like you know Saturday Night Live is not live on the West Coast because right because uh, they want it to broadcast at the same time, um, but it's not actually the same time. If it's the same time, then it would be not at eleven thirty; it would be at eight thirty, and they don't want that, so they have to record it and and yeah. rebroadcast it. There. So also, so you get these weird things, right? A little known fact is that because I worked in uh, <laughs> worked in TV news, worked at ABC News for a little while. Um, I don't think a lot of people know this that the um, the news is done live to the East Coast, and when they're done, and but they don't broadcast that news to the West Coast because it would still be quite early. Let's say if the news, if the network news comes on at I don't know seven, um, it would be four p.m. in the in the West Coast, so they don't do it live. However, it because it's the news, they still want to do it live, um, just for the fear that. Something would have happened in, in, in the three hours, you know, and the news would be out of date. So then, what they do is they record the news again for the West Coast. Um, <laughs> I did not is, know that. Yeah, and it also it kind of gives them a chance to fix any mistakes they made. There was always there was always this expression: "We'll fix it for the West Coast." <laughs> not the like we'll um, fix it in post we'll fix it for the west coast the fix it for, for the <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny and an interesting illustration of the power of conventional time structures is yeah. you can just pretend it's a different time <laughs> yeah. you can pretend it's simultaneous and it's actually not exactly um so what this means is that we get this vague sense of of naturalism when we say something like um it's noon in New York and morning in Los Angeles. So we have a way of kind of comparing the two. And that lets us coordinate things with like phone calls and nowadays with with Zoom calls and such. Um, it's not unusual for it to be daylight in one place and night in another mm-hmm. um, on a Zoom call. So you can actually see how the time zones work. 
Um, there are places that don't do this, though, um, notably in China, even though China is huge east to west and needs several time zones. They only have one, um, and that's because the People's Republic of China did not exist um, when the time zones were set up back in the 1890s. So when the PRC comes into existence, um, they just do not cooperate with that system. So there is only one time zone in China. Um, and I think the reasoning behind this was that then the, the whole country gets coordinated to Beijing time and therefore sort of unifies the country. But mm -hmm. the effect of this is that when it's noon in Beijing, the middle of the day and stuff is getting done, um, in Tibet, way to the west of the country, um, it is the middle of the night. So wow. people in Tibet have to operate on Beijing time, um, ignoring the fact that the sun is not in the sky, but they have to pretend that it's daytime. Wow. So, so Robert's, <clears throat> if Robert's uh, thought experiment is actually taking place in China. In That's right. Way. This very instant. Yeah. Do, do we know how many time zones China would have if it were? Um, I would have to check, but I think it's five. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so people in the West of the country have to pretend it's five hours earlier right. than it actually is. Right. Now, right, right. I'm curious, like, how much of this is actually pretending it's five hours area, earlier? Because my thought immediately becomes, well, unless you have a job that requires you to coordinate with Beijing, does mm -hmm. your company just kind of be like, yeah, you're not going to be here until 11 p.m., might as well do like a sort of normal nine to five, but actually based on the clock, it's a, what, you know, 3 a.m. That's, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer. I've never been. Um, so I'll have to ask some of my my China peeps um, about that because you could imagine, I, I could imagine two extremes, right? So one extreme is, as you say, everyone just ignores the rules and goes about their life as is, right? That happens sometimes. Um, but I could also imagine that China as a intensely authoritarian and bureaucratic state actually does force people mm. to live in this bizarre way. Um, uh, but I don't know. I will ask. Well, in other words, is the question, are they, you mean, forcing them to go to work at 9 a.m. even though it's uh, 4 a.m.? or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although because, the, because, <laughs> the factory, the, because the factory manager points to the clock and says, it's 9 o'clock. Uh, you need to be at work. Right. And then the people point to the sky and say, no, I can still see stars. It's not 9 a.m. Yeah. And the factory manager says, oh, yes, it is. Get to work. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because, like, <laughs> I was going to say, I, you know, I don't know, people who work in the film business and, and I know many other industries, uh, having to get up at 4 a.m. or whatever is not unusual. Um, it's not unheard of. And it's doable. Um, and, I, you know, if you lived your whole life that way, you might get used to it. Whereas, uh, whereas the the uh, Robert's question uh, takes us much, much, much further to the extremes of no time zones or mm -hmm. one. It would actually be one time zone for the whole planet. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you think of a place like Russia. Doesn't Russia span eleven time zones? Something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something absurd like that. Um, uh, and you imagine a coordinated world, you know, an interconnected world as we, we are in more and more every day. So uh, let's imagine that now. So in other words, even if we, I, I would say that the, the five hour difference is pushing it, you know, you're starting mm -hmm. to push the limits of, uh, because what happens, um, uh, actually maybe this is something up your alley, Gabby, maybe not sort of how, what's the deal with what makes it difficult for us to live out of sync with the sun. Yeah, so circadian rhythm. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily the best at, uh, I, d I don't know the molecular mechanism, which is really sad since somebody at mm. Rockefeller got a Nobel for this. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, we won't tell. Also, yeah. what is, I hear that word all the time. What does that mean? What does circadian mean? It's essentially your molecular clock. So in mm. your body, there's sort of like a day-night cycle. It actually is like hardwired between like your ability to see and to recognize light and your your brain's regulation of like sleep cycles. Um, this is why if you've ever heard of the experiments where people go into caves where it's completely dark and live in the pitch dark, they mm. wind up developing really weird sleep cycles because their circadian uh -huh. rhythm slips. They don't they don't have the exposure to light 
that clock isn't sort of checking in with itself because right. biological stuff needs to sort of be constantly reaffirmed in order to keep a good rhythm. Um, and so what happens is they'll wind up sleeping for days or, or, or like weeks and then like wake up and be like, oh, I didn't realize how much time had passed uh -huh. because yeah. your, your body isn't really regulating itself the way that you it should. Similarly, yeah. um, this is a problem that some people who are completely blind have. Um, and yeah. I mean like completely some, you know, blind is a, is a very wide, you mm -hmm. know, range. Um, but it's some people with completely no sight uh, do have this problem where they, they don't have a sort of 24-hour rhythm um, because essentially the you you need your eyes and their ability to process light in order to set that rhythm. Um, so would love to be able to give you the molecular mechanism behind it. Unfortunately, I don't yep. know. Um, but it is essentially, you know, your, your brain sees light. You track right. the, essentially the pro progress of a day. We've had the same day-light cycle for however many hundreds of millions of years. Uh, so this isn't, you mm -hmm. know, human-specific. This is basically every animal. Uh, the it, This was originally sort of the mechanism was teased out in fruit flies, which we have not shared mm. a common ancestor with in a hot minute. So oh, wow. it's... Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, has been kept throughout, you know, all of the evolutionary tree, more or less. Yeah. Well, you can imagine also, any, it could go back to the earliest, you know multicellular creatures. I mean, as soon as you have anything that can sense light and or heat, um, it's going to be sensitive to... Yeah, and I would argue more light mm -hmm. than heat since you do have like chemosynthetic organisms where like if mm. they're around something that's always hot, it's probably not necessarily going to matter. But, right. you know, like day-night cycles do matter even for plants. They, they don't have exactly like a circadian rhythm, but, you know, they undergo different processes when they're in the dark versus in the light. That's why you can't put a grow light on a plant 24-7 and expect it to be happy. Um, mm -hmm. Much right. the same, I think weird things happen to us in total darkness or total sunlight. I always think every time in daylight savings of um, the video, I don't know if anyone would have seen this, my cousin Oscar. Mm -mm. Oh, it's a great video. So. It's somebody's cousin who is in one of those Nordic countries where they don't get sunlight for like months at a time. And uh, yeah. he's explaining daylight savings to his cousin. And his cousin is like, save the daylight because he's got none. <laughs> he's like, you know, and he's showing him going about his day in the pitch dark. Like, I think he's in Reykjavik, actually, because yeah. I think he says it. At this one point, he's like, I'm out walking my dog and you can't see the dog. And he's like, it's ah. 3 p.m. here. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think generally for the most part, having day night cycles is pretty good for people. Yeah, I know that in in the uh, in Antarctica at South Pole Station, um, where it they get six months of darkness, same kind of deal as you were, you were talking about there with uh, Reykjavik. Um, they I read several books about what it's like by scientists about what it's like to live on the South Pole through the winter, and uh, they said yeah, similar thing happens. That basically, the the group of scientists, however many there are, ten or fifteen or something, they uh, fairly quickly divide into two camps. Those who are going to stay, um, going to keep their day-night cycles, their work and relaxation time cycles um, fixed according to the time, you know, the clock that they chose. And, uh, and then there's others that I think they call, I don't know if they call them floaters or something like that, <laughs> who are just going to, they're not going to pay attention to that. They're just going to get up whenever they get up and they're going to go to bed whenever they go to bed. And it ends up creating this, it's one of the many things that causes these huge tensions to develop between the people um, who are living together, you know, under these strange things. And uh, there's always talk about the first, uh, it's not really a rescue crew, but the first, the welcome crew or the, the that arrives when the winter finally ends and planes are able to go back to the South Pole for the first time. There's that feeling of whoever opens the door the first time is always very nervous but what they're going to find <laughs> <laughs> did they all kill each other this time yeah, or? yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, Matt so, all right. so there's uh, so there's a political question we have to deal with here mm. um, if we've got one time zone that means someplace uh, is actually following the natural rhythm of the sun and then ah. everybody else is coordinating with them yes um so the question is, who gets to have a normal circadian rhythm and uh, gets to make life miserable for everybody else? Interesting. We could, and th this is the thought of maybe if 
people decide it's a zero-sum game, choosing who wins, um, and mm-hmm. just set the time zone to be exactly perfectly over a spot with no nobody living there in like, uh, the Atlantic so and the Pacific. So everybody is equally miserable. Yes, <laughs> that if we're going to make this a unified time zone thing, everybody must equally suffer such that, you know, mm-hmm. there's no bowing to one country's <laughs> imperialism. No, I like that. That's whatnot. very communist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I should say that's the, and uh, that's the reasoning behind where, why the international dateline is where it is. Um, is that it's supposed to be where uh, as few people as possible live. So, so there is minimal inconvenience. Right. Um, but it does mean that if you live in American Samoa, um, life sucks for you because you're essentially right on the dateline. And it's oh, very really? hard to coordinate with anybody. Yeah. Does it go through the island? No, you'll yeah. see it does this little jag to the side. Right. Um, but it's so close to the, the dateline that it causes all kinds of problems. Right. So if you're um, talking to the yeah. next island over... It's 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 another it's a different day. Yep, that's right. Wow. wow. So yeah, um, and I should say my personal encounter with the international dateline was um, several years ago. Actually, I guess many years ago now. Um, my wife and I went to Japan for a vacation, and we had everything planned out day by day, and everything nicely coordinated. Um, and then as we're landing in the Tokyo airport, um, you know the the pilot comes on and says, I can't remember what it was. It's March 23rd at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, welcome to Tokyo. And I think, wait a minute, 23rd. I thought we were arriving on the 22nd. And I realized our, our highly coordinated vacation plan had not taken into account the intercrossing international dateline. Oh, so no. we actually had one less day than we thought. Oh. Um, which meant that instead of having two days to climb Mount Fuji, we had to do it in one, which oh, resulted God. in like altitude sickness and all, oh, <laughs> all no. kinds of craziness. Um, it was uh, it was not my greatest moment as a person with an astronomy degree. I was going to say it's always <laughs> it's always the scientists that make these uh, mistakes. Yeah. Admittedly, I would not take that into account, and I have two friends who are talking about a trip to Japan, and I am going to text them after this and be like, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> Remember Watch the dateline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, so global global time zone. Um, mm-hmm. I I was going to ask this. So actually, because of because the international dateline does it goes right down the middle of the Pacific. There, um, does that mean that the on the what's on the exact opposite side of that? Is it Greenwich? It's Greenwich, yeah. It well, is. more okay. or less, right? Like okay. I said, it's all it's all, it's slightly off, but right. um, that's the principle, yeah. Right. And I should say the reason the Prime Meridian goes through Greenwich is because Britain was the great imperial power at the time, so right. they were able to dictate to everybody else. Um, the French actually tried to set up the rival system with the Prime Meridian going through Paris, uh-huh. um, and uh, the British one. So, oh, so Paris is not in the same time zone as Greenwich. Um. No, it's in this. It's, oh, it's no, that's right. It's one off. Yeah, one off. That's right. Yeah, that's be close. Mm-hmm. close. Um, so here's what. Uh, somebody. So let's say somebody. Um, somebody's living uh, in the normal. So it sounds like maybe. Um, where where would the zero time? Where would the like you said the normal time zone be in this communist choice where everybody else suffers. Well, yeah, so let's go with Gabby's suggestion that um, it, it go, we make try to make everybody equally miserable. Right. Um, so actually, for th- finally, American Samoa gets yeah. um, <laughs> things to be normal. Um, so they're quite happy about that. Uh, Australia is probably also pretty happy. Japan, um, yeah. the, the folks on the, the Pacific there uh, will be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Europe will be almost completely off, um, completely opposite the actual rhythms of life. So the streets of Paris and London will be um, really active when it's dark and everybody will have blackout curtains so they can sleep at night, which is actually the day. Um, And I don't know if you've, along the lines of places like Reykjavik and Norway, where when they get like 20 hours of sun, Um, The blackout curtains there are absolutely necessary. You will go insane if you try to sleep um, Uh, when the sun is up uh, day in and day out. It's really quite terrifying if you've never done it. Interesting. Um, So I would imagine the Europeans are going to be pretty cranky about this. Um, 
Well, that takes, that, us, yeah. well that takes us to uh, Gabby's point about, and I do think this makes sense, that basically anyone who can would still go about their, they, they would say, would simply adjust their schedules, you know, and it would just be whatever. It's just custom that uh, for some reason we, we get up at uh, um, whatever the wrong time <laughs> would be. So, um, what, what, okay, so here's the thing. What if, let's suppose, suppose you decided in Paris you were going to go to work at 9 a.m. What at the, the play, when the sun is at what is normally 9 a.m., what time would it actually be in Paris, let's say? Uh, well, probably 9 p.m. Let's just simplify it. Okay, 9 p.m. So you, mm-hmm. would, you would go to work at 9 p.m. Because remember, there's, let's just remind everyone, there's only one time. Uh, in fact, we have something at one time where there's universal coordinated time. It would actually be basically like that if we all lived under the UTC, right? That there's mm-hmm. this one time, and that is the time in Greenwich, uh, England. And um, um, so anyone who can't... So in other words, the bakeries, the wonderful bakeries <laughs> in Paris, right? Mm. They, uh, they wake up at what is... What the clock says is 9 p.m., uh, although they usually go by 24-hour time in Europe, right? So it would be uh, 23 or um, whatever it is, 17. My mind's not working. Whatever the 24-hour version of 9 p.m. is um, 21. Oh, 21. Yeah, okay. 2100. And um, they go to the bakery, and, and that's all fine, right? Mm-hmm. However, what... Um, there are people who cannot do that. So the people working for the the wonderful TGV, the uh, high speed train system yep, in Paris, right. mm-hmm. um, they have to live on a completely opposite schedule. Is that right? Or, well, so it's yeah. whoever, whatever companies or organizations feel the need to coordinate with places that are far away, right? So as you say, the train systems actually do need to be coordinated that way. But daily life, like what time the bakery opens, do the bakers bakers in Paris actually need to coordinate with the bakers in Australia? Probably not, I think, right? Um, But we feel obligated to as part of sort of modern industrial society. Um, And this is something that, historians like E.P. Thompson pointed out many years ago is that the industrial, one of the effects of the industrial revolution is that we all start living our life on factory time and start getting disconnected from the the natural rhythms of the world. But that's a choice, right? That's a choice that we as a society have made. Um, And I kind of like the idea, (laughs) Gabby's suggestion, is that people will just say, screw it i'm gonna get up whenever i feel like it and maybe this will this uh, the the miseries induced by a a single time zone will cause a global revolt against industrialized (laughs) modern life um and we'll start going back to um uh, a more natural rhythm of the world uh so I, i actually quite like the idea that that'll that will end up destroying global capitalism um just people people being cranky at having to get up when it's dark every night i mean also too this is like an important thing it's not good for you to yeah. exist at night so this mm-hmm. is not just like you know like apocryphal or whatever it, it, there are like studies on like night shift workers and it doing things at night when your internal clock says you should be asleep does increase your risk of developing things like heart disease or diabetes. So it's, it's not necessarily good for us to be disobeying the natural rhythm of the clock. And I know that everybody says like, Oh, once you get used to waking up at a certain time, you just like wake up then. Um, Like my grandmother was a night shift worker for a hot minute. So she was always like the like 2 a.m., like she was up no matter what at like weird times. Um, but even if you get used to it, doesn't necessarily mean that that's good for you. That it's good. Yeah. To be yeah. used to it. Yeah. Like I would say I, I did it for many years also when I was working and uh, as an assistant editor, I worked a night shift for four or five years and uh-huh. um, I would start at usually 7 PM and go until whenever in the morning. And um, I never, it was kind, you know, it was kind of cool in some ways. It's kind of interesting to live on the off hours, like the 
the city, especially a place like New York, is completely mm-hmm. different. It is the city that never sleeps, but it's certainly mm-hmm. much more quiet and it's kind of pleasant actually at night, especially in the summer. You can go out at night, but um, but I never got used to the uh, the circadian rhythm thing. Is real. The struggle is real. The struggle um, is real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I often talk to we have uh, my building has a doorman, and um, I often talk to the guy who works overnight, and he's been doing it for years, and he's like he's still not used to it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh, Perhaps these time zones that we have are also a health. Might they be considered one of the reasons health is better? Could it be a health? I wouldn't. Yeah. If I'm sorry, go ahead, Gabby. I was going to say, I don't know if I would go that far per se, unless we're being actually forced to work odd ones. But Matt, you were going to agree. So I'm curious of your. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, um, that's um, industrialized um, timekeeping is definitely bad for us. I think for for human. Oh, health. I was actually sorry. What yeah. actually what I was saying is maybe these time zones that we have are better for us because it it allows us or forces us even to stick to good circadian rhythm. We don't have. Yeah, to yeah, that's what I mean. Is that the the global okay. revolt against um, synchronized timekeeping would um, would be good for this? It would solve one lingering problem, however, um, which is that um, it's not clear what time it is on the moon. <laughs> um, <clears throat> right, because a day on the moon lasts twenty-eight days here on Earth, so you can't actually just wait for natural. Well, no, it's definitely American Samoa. American Samoa will not <laughs> give up its control over the time zones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and similar problem on the International Space Station, right, where you get a sunrise several times in twenty-four hours. Well, this uh, is you so know you have to coordinate. That's a really interesting example, by the way, because there is a there's a place where they live. It's completely detached from uh, natural rhythms entirely, because it, as you said, it goes the space station goes around the Earth. Um, they have a sunrise every ninety minutes. Sunrise mm-hmm. ninety minutes and sunset. They have forty five minute day, forty five minute night, forty five minute day, forty five minute night, over and over again. And they live according to Houston time, I believe. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the astronauts there, they definitely talk about it. It's not like they have nice sunny days. That they can go out <laughs> anyway, that they go sit on the chaise lounge outside and mm-hmm. fix their circadian rhythm. But um, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. But you need to have, as Gabby says, you need to have a 24 hour rhythm. Um, or yeah. you go insane. So even if it's an ar- even if it's arbitrary where you anchor that twenty four hours, you have to have some some way of setting up that cycle. Right. 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 And I, I mean, I will say some people's natural rhythms are a little bit weird. Like my closest friend in college, he had an exact opposite rhythm, meaning that like the way he'd scheduled his classes or whatever is his first class is at like four or five p.m. He'd wake up for that, and then. He'd go to bed, I think, at like 10 in the morning. So I'd see him for breakfast. He'd go to bed for the afternoon. And then I'd, I'd see him for dinner. And that was wow. his, his cycle. But I mean, I guess he saw the sun, like on either side of the day. It was just a very unique sleep cycle. Yeah. I can also say have, that, that is kind of the schedule I had for a number of years. And uh, you can do it easier when you're young. I'll say that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my my ability to rebound from daylight savings time killed me this year. Oh. I was I was floored, and mm. then I went across time zones. I went to the West Coast for a weekend, and my body was like, "Girl, you have no idea what you're doing." Like, I was just, <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let to to wrap up. Let's imagine this, this has happened, and uh, Matt, what's your Daylight. Let's say you go and you teach uh, your classes. What time um, are you doing? Let's see here. So here in New York, we're probably going to be nine hours off. So if I have a nine o'clock class, it's going to be midnight here. All right. Um, so I will <laughs> I will have to arrive at the classroom um, when it is as dark as it is possible to be, um, which means I'll have to be awake a little before that, which means I have to walk the dog in the dark, as Gabby's friend uh-huh. was saying. And, and Magpie is, in fact, a black dog. So she might be invisible. No. Um, so that would be a little sad. Um, 
I guess the students, I'd probably say I'd have to walk her with like a flashlight or something. Um, all this, and we'd have to, we would have to artificially illuminate the city. I think there's no way around that. Yeah. So if you've ever been at like Times Square in the middle of the night, yeah. right, where it's bright, but it's also night at the same time, and it's yeah. that very eerie sensation. So that's what it would be like every day um, throughout the workday, essentially. Um, let's see here. The sun would rise, eh, call it six hours after that. So the middle of the afternoon on the clock, on the work clock, uh, would be when the sun rises. Um, so that might actually be a nice marker of when it's time to go get an afternoon cup of coffee. Uh Um, uh, but it was the sun would, and then the sun would set 12 hours after that. Is that right? Let me see here. Three in the morning then I've lost, I've lost coordination. Um, I think the sun would still be up when I need to go to sleep though. Yeah, that's definitely true. All right. Um, so I'd have to draw those big blackout curtains um, as well. I, I could I could imagine now a total geoengineering project, and this would be such a human thing to do because it's so mm-hmm. wasteful. Um, <clears throat> we decide we decide to go with this global this one time zone for the whole planet, and uh, but then everyone notices that uh, ugh, it's, it's, we're exhausted because we're not living with the sun, our bodies are not adjusting. And so we would, as you said, we would spend vast amounts of money um, powering bright lights through the entire city all night, right? Wasting all the energy. And then then in the daytime, we would have built a gigantic dome over the city that gets covered in like a black tarp, you know, a blackout. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's nighttime. We would essentially create our own. We would say, screw the sun. We're just going to live on our own mechanized uh, day night cycle, like a space station, you know? Yeah. And it has been suggested not for time zone reasons, but for sort of latitude reasons. Um, people have suggested building giant mirrors in space to reflect sunlight down to places like Siberia or Norway, uh, that don't get enough sunlight during certain seasons. Um, uh, so, and so we could do the opposite too, actually, it could build giant solar shades in orbit. Yeah, um, that would. <laughs> uh, and as you say, humans are are so wasteful and absurd. Um, I could totally imagine that. So we'd have this <laughs> this bizarre patchwork of mirrors, yeah. um, and shades, uh, yeah, uh, in orbit in order to make um, artificial daylight and nighttime, um, yeah. just so our clocks get coordinated right. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Gabby, what's your day like? Or night. Well, I was going to say, it's funny, right? Because like so much of my work revolves around when things are ready, time points and stuff. So Uh, I mm, occasionally complain mm. about having to come in at like three in the morning, normal now time. Um, But every time would be kind of like that. Uh, I also think for some people, they wouldn't really be affected. So we already have people who have weird, weird time schedules. Like there's people who come in at like 3 p.m. and they don't leave until midnight. And so, like, those people exist in science especially, I think, because we're allowed to be a little idiosyncratic with our hours. We Mm, don't have to really do that many meetings. So it just matters kind of if you're getting your science done. So I could reasonably be one of those daylight weirdos. They're like, yeah, she's always in at weird times. As, you know, they're having coffee at, like, you know, essentially midnight. It's pitch black. And meanwhile, I'm I'm nicely asleep. And then, you know, rise peppy, bright and early. Uh, when everybody else under this time zone has sensibly gone to bed. Um. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I could say the one benefit would be um, that uh, all those DJs, and I I, um, I sympathize, I can relate to DJs who have the what they call the graveyard shift, you know, when mm. the fewest people are listening. When I was at University of Maryland, very briefly, I had uh, I worked with a friend on a radio show, the, the local the college radio station, WMUC, fabulous station. And uh, we had like the ridiculous shift of, I don't know if it was like two to five in the morning. Basically, it was Oof. the, you know, we, we were the lowest on the totem pole. And so it was like whatever. And then we even realized at some point, we realized actually the station didn't actually broadcast over the air or something. It was just piped into like the student union. And we realized <laughs> at those hours, the student union was closed. So literally nobody was <laughs> listening to it. But it was fine. We had a good time. 
However, those of us, you know, if we that could suddenly be the hot time on campus. You know, we might have the, yeah. the, the morning Prime drive. Slot. Yeah, you know, we could mm-hmm. be Bob and Sam in the morning, something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there, anything that's good for DJs, I'm happy. Happy there. Yeah, that's right. Happy that's what it's all about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you. A big shout out to Robert Pepper, who uh, Auto Journo. Look him up on YouTube. Um, his uh, you can just search for Robert Pepper Auto Journo. You'll find him on YouTube. But the uh, the address there is YouTube.com, um, and he is L2S. FBC, Robert Pepper mm. Auto Journal. I think that is his license plate. Uh, I have to ask him about <laughs> what that means. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's a ham, uh, it's not a ham radio thing. Uh, anyway, Robert sent in this fabulous idea, so thank you for that. Uh, Matt, thank you for your great knowledge of uh, communist uh, autocratic um, timekeeping <laughs> practices. That's quite fascinating. I'd love to hear, yeah, I want, want to, it must be... I'd like to look that's something to look up sort of learn more a little bit about what it's like for the people in China living that strange uh, I did look time. up I, yeah. I, I did Google while you were doing this I just another moment to say ah, cool. sometimes yeah. it depends on the nature of what it is in which case some things will keep Beijing time uh-huh. there are some things that will specify like sort of a more local time and they will do it according to the local time but they will list it in both um, oh, that's so, so mm-hmm. there, there mm-hmm. are some adaptations. I think it just does depend on on what it is, and like the the news will broadcast. I think at like prime times for both. So there will be like an adjustment huh? of like whatever, like like whatever, like the local news time is. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it was really neat. And then there's also like one region that does kind of keep its own time zone. There's like a little asterisk, and so if two yeah. people from like other regions are like talking to each other, they like have to specify like. If they're talking about that one, like what time, if it's Beijing time or the other. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Encourage everybody to like check out the Wikipedia page on that. Like I'm not doing it justice. It was very interesting. Yeah. And uh, those of you who are Patreon listeners, we're, we're gonna, we'll keep talking about this. There's some other fun things we didn't get to in this episode. Uh, but we will discuss it in the Patreon bonus content, um, the after show, um, which is available only to Patreon members, the extended episode. Um, so if you're a Patreon member, if you're a Patreon member, by the way, and didn't know we have the bonus content, check it out. It's right here on your Patreon page, patreon.com slash what the if. Um, if you don't know anything about Patreon or what are we talking about, do check it out. We have all kinds of cool merch available and, um, you know, you become a super ifer and we have all this bonus content It goes out every week and all kinds of fun things. So uh, check that out. Um, Matt, would you like to... Uh, Help us uh, with the closing ceremonies. What are okay. The, clo- so the, the closing, the closing ceremonies? ceremonies is where we confront what we have done. Um, and we are either ashamed or terrified at the way we have changed reality <laughs> and have to end up shouting the name of the show in horror. Um, so I think it is probably the case that um, my dog comes to wake me up in time for her walk. Um, but it is still dark out and she is a black dog so all I know is that 80 pounds of something comes smashing on top of me (laughs) telling me that it is time to wake up even though it is obviously the middle of the night and I have no choice but to shout what the thank you all for listening Special shout out again to Robert Pepper, Auto Journal on YouTube. Check him out. Thank you, Robert, for your if this week. We'll see you on the show in a few weeks. Thank you all for listening, no matter what time zone you're in. We'll see you next week. <laughs>